It's October 11th, 2010, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of the show. As some of you may already know, I've made some changes to the website and the feed. In terms of the feed, all the episodes are now available via the iTunes Store or as well as other podcast aggregators. So it's now a lot easier to access the archive of interviews that I've been producing over the last three and a half years. So if you want to catch up on any of the 100 plus episodes, go to the iTunes Store and you can begin listening now. The website has also consolidated my various web presences, including my own photo blog and website. The blog is going to be changing in the coming weeks, as well as my website, to now feature my evaluations of camera equipment and software that I use. It's not going to be the kind of exhaustive reviews that you'll find on sites such as DP Review, but rather be based more on my own personal experience of using the equipment and software in my own personal work. It's an experiment of sorts, and I look forward to hearing your feedback on it, so check it out and let me know what you think. This show has featured numerous photographers, many of them who are professionals, but it's always been my hope to introduce you to the work of amateurs, whose work is exceptional. Chris Porce is just such a photographer, whose decades of work focusing on his small community in Peterborough, England, demonstrates how a long-term commitment to personal photography can strike a chord. His rediscovery of subjects from his street photography from over 25 years ago is a fascinating exploration of not only photography, but also time, change, and aging. It's also a great story and a perfect addition to the interviews here at The Candor Frame. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Chris Porsche. Well, Chris, welcome to The Candid Frame. I'm excited to have a chance to talk to you. I kind of discovered you uh, while browsing the web, and I saw an article about uh, about you. But before we get into the story that kind of led me to you, tell me about um, your beginnings as a photographer. Surprisingly, not surprisingly, uh, you started photography as a result of the birth of your first child, and, and a lot of people pick up the camera. But what led you to sort of wander the streets and uh, make pictures of your of your hometown? That's a, that's a good question. It, it really started in the seventies when I first my, my, met my girlfriend Leslie, now my wife, and uh, we hitchhiked to Africa with a Kodak Instamatic, and I took a picture of a camel, and it looked miles away. Um, and I felt I needed something a little bit better. But yes, the, like many people, with the birth of my first child, and um, I took lots of pictures, but again, they were pretty, pretty uh, shaky. Um, so I felt I needed a better camera. Um, went on to Pratika from a Kodak Instamatic. And uh, I don't know, I had this sort of strange um, creative urge just to roam the streets of Peterborough, my city. Um, I guess sometimes I was bored at work at just an outlet, really. I was portraying at the hospital at the time. And um, it was always people I was looking for, not so much the buildings. Um, Buildings bored me, and uh, if I took a picture of a building, I always had to have people next to it to give it a sense of scale and bring the buildings to life. and I, uh, I wandered around for days and months, um, and in, in a way, looking back on that, I, I've got regrets that I, I didn't incorporate the buildings more. I tended to use a telephoto, and I isolated 
people from the backgrounds. And I've realised now that it's the buildings, the backgrounds, that people are really interested in as well, um, because it dates it dates the pictures. And um, so now I tend to slap on a wide angle lens and try and get everything in and put it in its context. Um, and uh, yeah, that was it. Why don't you tell us a little more about? Peterborough. Um, is mm-hmm. it primarily a walking city? Is there a lot of life on the on the streets, or has that changed over the la- over the past three decades that you've been photographing it? Mm. I think one of the biggest things you notice, and I'm sure you do, um, you can't cars get in the way of a good photograph these days. The streets were relatively empty, and now that white van always seems to get in the way. Um, Peterborough is near Cambridge. Uh, it's uh, about two hundred thousand people. Um, it's um, yeah, a mixture of industry and uh, I don't know, shopping and shopping malls, etc. Um, in fact, what really changed people was in 1980 they demolished the Victorian streets, um, which I regretfully have nothing of or very few of, um, and they put a concrete slab over it and um, built bigger shopping mall. And uh, I took pictures of that as a building site and. Um, that's what became of interest years later to the local newspaper and started me off again. Um, that was how it sort of started. Um, Peter, I, I don't know, it's a very great, great mixture. Uh, like America, uh, a city of uh, uh, immigration. Uh, my parents themselves uh, came from war-torn Poland, uh, incredibly lucky to survive. In fact, lost most of their family. And uh, my parents came here poverty-stricken, really, and worked their way up and... Um, and that, that uh, was them. Um, hmm. What I appreciate about your story is that, um, unlike some of the other photographers I've I've, I've interviewed, you know, you do have a, a normal a, a normal regular job, but that yes. you devoted a lot of your personal time to your photography. Why don't you tell us about what you actually do for a living and how that sort of relates to, or how that's influenced what you do with hmm. the camera. It's mm, a good question. Um, I, I just going back a little bit. I, I was a uni dropout. I was going to be a social worker in the seventies, and I didn't really survive Freshers' Week. And I came back to Peterborough and uh, became a hospital porter for six weeks. And thirteen years later, I was still there because I loved it. And it's great social job. Um, uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and um, the the photography. And again, just one other thing. I, it was pre-seatbelt days, and it was at a carnage, and it, it prepared me well for the job I do now as a paramedic, which I've been doing for the last 20 years. Um, but I, I, I just wanted to, I don't know, just capture the changing face of the city, really. Not, not consciously, necessarily, but that's what I did, all the changing fashions um, and the changing backgrounds, that, that, that type of thing. Um, yeah. Do you feel that... I know that oftentimes when you're called upon as a paramedic, it's in very big crisis situations, but do you feel mm. that your ability to have to be able to engage people in such dramatic circumstances make it a, makes it a little easier to approach them you know, under less, you know, less intense circumstances when you're out there photographing? Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's crucial to be able to relate people, and I... It works both ways on on the streets. I I just bump into complete strangers and engage them in conversation, and I, I love to do that and get for the potted histories. And same at work, it's important to be able to get people um, to relax them. They're under extreme pressure and stress at times, and it's really crucial to reassure them. And um, I also, I guess, I have a bit of a, a social conscience. I guess that's one of the reasons why I do the job I do. It's nice to be able to give something back 
immensely satisfying. Uh, sometimes, occasionally, you can make a difference. Um, and I, I guess my photography reflects that to a certain extent. I reflect all walks of life. I, I, I try to treat people as I find them from, from whatever background. Um, and so my photography captures a very wide range of people. But uh, having said that, I tend to sort of go towards the more uh, working class areas. Uh, there's a lot more activity going on there, a lot more vibrant, uh, cosmopolitan, uh, a great mix of people. Um, I guess I go where the people are um, to, to yeah, try and capture those images for posterity, if you like. So how, how do you work it out time-wise? Because I think one of the challenges okay. that many, mm. you know, passionate hobbyists or enthusiast photographers mm. have is is making the time to go out and, yeah, and shoot. Right. So how does that work out for you? Because I'm sure that as a paramedic, your schedule can be sometimes a bit, yeah. you know. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. Um, I've got a very understanding wife, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a long-suffering wife who um, I should probably be at home a lot of the time putting up shelves and digging the garden. But uh, she just lets me roam the streets, <laughs> a bit of peace and quiet perhaps. But um, I, I, I do uh, nights and days, 12-hour uh, shifts, and that allows me... Um, sometime. Um, but you're right, it is difficult to fit in. But I guess I, I, I just love doing it. And uh, that, then it's a labor of love then, isn't it, really? Um, so, um, no, I, I fit it in sometime, somehow. Um, but the results are well, well worth it. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, the story that, that brought you to my attention was, mm. was revolved around an image that you took of a young couple at a train station over yes. 30 years ago. And yes. that... Um, before we get into what happened recently, mm. tell us about the story about that photograph and what that photograph has, has meant sure. to you and what, and what your thoughts have been over about that picture over the last several years. Sure. It's a strange... I, it's funny how you remember taking photographs, don't you, even though it's 30 years ago. And I was, uh, again, wandering around and I came to the railway station, which is a great place for photography, isn't it? Um, and uh, there was the couple, the young students probably 18 years old, kissing goodbye. Um, one lucky shot, really. And, and then thought no more about it. And that photograph gathered dust for 30 years, only to be rediscovered only a couple of years ago. Um, and um, it was candid, which is uh, the style I like, unposed. It, it would have ruined it if I had opposed it. Um, and I say, as you know, 30 years later, we, we managed to find this couple. But what were you, you know, when you when you saw that image, I mean, we've all probably taken photographs of, of strangers and, you know, mm. there may be a beautiful, you know, beautiful moment, but, um, and we may wonder about, well, what happened, you know, I wonder what the, those people are now, what happened to that couple, sure. they're still together. What spurred mm. you to even make the step to go, let me see if I can find these people, because I, I think right. the majority of us, you know, would just leave the thought where it stood and never sure. really act act on it. So what spurred yeah. you to do it? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And at the time, it, I just I certainly hadn't thought about that at all. It was just a nice image, which I snapped and then forgot about. Um, it really um, took off, I guess. I had, a, I had a lapse of about 20 years where I did nothing regarding photography, um, busy with my job as a paramedic. Um, and it's only been a, probably the last couple of years where I discovered the joys of digital, um, bought myself a, an SMR, 
and um, the local paper, I, I sent a picture of um, this shopping mall um, going up, and they liked what they saw because it was quite a rare image of a, this building site, and they invited me to um, have a column uh, every week in their newspaper. It's a bit cheesy. It's called Paramedic Paparazzo, um, but it sort of worked. Um, they would publish two of my photographs or three from 30 years ago, and people would open up the paper and be amazed and then they'd say hey that's me um and then they'd contact the paper and that's how we found these people and um I, that's how we found the, the railway lovers um it was a young couple called sally and, and tony um, at the time they're now um married uh, with children at the Roman university and uh they we we met up on this um in November, uh sorry, november 2009 on the cold railway station um, and tried to, to tried to recreate the shot as best we could. Um, it, it was it was incredible meeting these people again. Really, uh, a great moment. Uh, really enjoyed doing that. Um, but very hard to recreate. I've been criticised in many ways for not faithfully, um, you know, trying to put them as they were. But it's impossible. You, you can't do that. You know. Um, but you, you just do the best you can, really. I mean, that's asking I mean, a lot. It's 30 years later, for God's sake. So sure, trying, to, yeah, trying to be, you know, leave it to Photoshop if you want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't do it. And, and, you know, for example, I, I'm not making excuses, but it was, it was totally harsh, harsh sunlight. It was freezing cold. The, tr- the, the railway station absolutely packed with people. And then there was this, just this moment when everybody got on the train and there was a guard uh, left at the bottom of the, the track. And my Tony almost got carried away on this train, but we just got them to uh, kiss again. <laughs> and uh, I took about, I think, about probably 200 images, uh, Beauty of Digital. And then there was only one one that was I thought was okay yeah. and that's been the same for other photographs I don't know if you've seen one of my other favourites The Policeman and the Boy yes I did a chance um, to see that yeah that, that's a fascinating story as well you know they basically uh, again 30 years ago about 1980 um there was a road that ran through Peterborough. It's now pedestrianised, and there was a policeman, um, 20 years old, on on the beat, um, named David. David Harvey, it turns out. And there was a young boy, uh, 12 years old, perhaps. He was uh, policeman stopped him on his bicycle and was having a chat. We're not quite. Sure. They can't remember why. Um, and again, it was one of those photographs that I'd just forgotten about. Um, but it was in the paper again, published again 30 years later, and uh, the policeman came forward. And it turns out that he became chief superintendent, uh, now retired. And the boy, um, he um, he admits that he got into trouble a little bit, a few more times, once or twice more with the police, but uh, made good in the end. It's a rags to riches story because he now runs a very successful um, coach company. Um, he has six children of his own. Um, and the reshoot itself was, um, again, I, I think that day I probably took... 200 pictures, trying to create it as best I could. Um, and it's totally changed, obviously. It's all pedestrianised. Um, and when I got home, I told them to just be as they were, similar, best best they could. But there was one accidental smile from the boy, and that was the that was the picture. And, mm-hmm. it, and uh, I was happy with the result. When you um, when you first put yeah. the search out for that first couple, what were your thoughts? Were you expecting that you, you would find them? Were you... And you, what were, you know, were your thoughts when you found out that they were still together after all those years? Yeah, I mean that's the nice touch, isn't it? That because people when when 
when you, when they see that photograph, the reunion, they say, are they still together? You know, people are sort of amazed <laughs> that people are actually still married with kids. And uh, absolutely, I mean, they, um, no, when I found them, um, did I expect to find them? No, I, I was, I was, uh, having said that, Peebles is quite a small place. Um, I don't, you couldn't do it in many cities, but it's small enough to bump into people in the street that you know, and um, yeah, it's a small world, and uh, I'm making some amazing connections through it. Um, uh, just to, perhaps I can just give another example. The I don't know if you remember um, the Vimto girl. Uh, <laughs> I call her Vimto and the Afghan Hound. They're sitting. Um, it's a bit of a surreal picture, to be honest. It's 30 years going Cathedral Square. Um, it's a beautiful, historic city of uh, a beautiful cathedral. And uh, there's a girl sat on... She's about, I don't know, 18 years old. She sat on the bench uh, drinking a can of, can of Vimto. Do you, do you have Vimto in the States? Uh, I'm not sure what those are. Like, like, like Coca-Cola, you know. And oh, it's okay. almost like product... Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's almost like product placement. <laughs> but she's, she's drinking. And there's a, there's a mystery figure moves back to us, and then there's um, an Afghan hound, and he's the only one that's spotted me. Um, and again, it was one of those photographs that um, gathered dust, um, and then it was published, and um, no, I, no, I correct myself, I, I, found, I found her myself. I produced a calendar um, at Peterborough, um, 12 of my favorites, um, including uh, that one. And I was going around the local maternity unit just uh, selling the calendars, really, to a group of nurses and flicking over the pages. And this was a one-in-a-million chance, Ruth, to be honest. And we're going through them, and she said, that's me. And I, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> she, oh, she couldn't. And she bought 10 calendars on the spot. And, um, and then we arranged the reunion. And uh, they have a new dog now. It's an American bulldog. It's not an <laughs> a, a, a Afghan. But, uh, and the mystery figure is her husband. And now they have three children all grown up. Um, so it's just a, you know, it was a great, fantastic reunion. I think um, one of the fascinating things about it is that, that while you were focusing on these people, you were also documenting the face of the town. You know, mm. they they were as much a the town itself was as much of characters in these yes. photographs, and you only appreciate it over the years as as you recognize how much has changed and how some things mm. have disappeared. Mm. Is that you take been, for granted, don't you? Yeah. Do you yeah. think that's been one of the one of the reasons people have been so interested and in, and in, in impacted by the images, just not just the the reunions, but also seeing mm. how the the city has changed. Yeah, there's, there's no question in that. When, when, I, when, I, when people see the photographs and see the calendar, in fact, may I recommend that if people want to show their photographs, I know it sounds a bit sort of cheesy, but produce a calendar. It's a great way. I mean, you've got your photographs there on a thousand walls, perhaps uh, a different picture every day of the month. And it, they, they, well, they sold out and I've produced another one this year, but they, they generate so much interest. And what people always say, always say, we'd love to see that background. We remember so-and-so and it's not there anymore. And uh, that, that's and it dates the pictures as well. Because if you have just isolated people on benches, which is what I used to do with telephone lens a lot of the time, then it could be anywhere. And it's I think it's really important to put it in its context. Um, people really do love to see those those backgrounds as well. So as I say, I've changed my style, and I tend to exclusively use a wide angle now and try and put, get everything in. Um, and I love a wide angle lens now because it, you you feel part of the photograph, don't you? It's um, photos can obviously be very artificial and compressed. So, um, yeah, that, that's how I tend to sort of work now. 
You, you've gotten a lot of press coverage as a result of, of, mm. of these images. You've had exhibits. Are you are you starting, or have you been recognized while you're out there with your camera? Is that how's how's that influenced uh, some of the moments that you're out there on the street on the street with the I, camera? Well, I, I, I guess I yeah I, yeah I am a bit sometimes. Uh, it's quite amusing because at work when I'm when I'm going to patients' houses, um, yeah they, they they sort of they make comment and. Um, Sometimes my calendar's on their wall, or and um, we get chatting about the photographs, and uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's great to be able to engage with them about that. Um, mm. That's I think that's very funny. <laughs> it is because <laughs> you've got some very poorly patients, and uh, uh, they're more interested sometimes in uh, the photography than their their illness, and uh, they, it, perhaps it distracts them a bit, and uh, we have a light-hearted chat about them, and. Uh, but they again, they're they're you know they're elderly people who remember Peterborough sort of you know years and years ago, and um, they, they they comment on the um, how things have changed. I think the other thing about what's what's appealed to people is that the the thirty year gap, if you like, is within living memory. Um, sadly, a lot of the people have died, but the younger ones are now um, in their thirties and forties, and people love to see the the fashions, how they're the punks, the Teds. Um, they can really identify them with that, um, and again, that's one of the reasons why I think um, it struck a chord. Because they think possibly they may be in the photograph, and they sometimes are. You know, um, how is hmm. how is your approach to people? Because the type of photography you're doing is something I think a lot of people have an interest in doing. Yes. but they're yeah. terrified of the idea of, of approaching, you know, someone that they don't know and asking to mm. photograph them. So what are some of the techniques that you use in terms of approaching people? I know that mm. you mentioned just going up and speaking, but just the idea mm. of going up and opening your mouth sometimes is terrifying. So Yeah, you're, how, you're absolutely right. So how do you do it? How do you negotiate that? Um, it, it gets easier with time, I think. Um, I like, I love Candid because I don't like to interfere with the, the moment, what, what's going on there. Um, so a lot of the time, you could call it a bit sneaky, I suppose, but you will find a lot of my people on the edge of the frame um, because, you know, you, you get the general background in and then you'll always find it. I'm looking for interesting characters, um, people with walking sticks, similar frames, um, people, I don't know, battling against adversity, something uh, just a little bit unusual, and you spot something like that and try and get a candid snap, but... Uh, Often you've got to be careful because yeah you can upset people and it's um, a smile goes a long way it really does that, that, and uh, hello you know just just being friendly um, and I've also again I've changed my style in some respects that people do the most amazing things for a camera um, they they the spontaneous acts they do I mean one of the things I tend to do is I love billboards um, and I'll I've got one, for example, I don't know, there's a one with a, a it says, as uh, a kestrel swooping down, it's an advert, um, it bites. So you've got your stage there, um, and you just wait, wait for the right characters to walk on, and sure enough, this elderly came with a little Jack Russell terrier snapping at somebody's heels. Um, um, yeah, so there's that, and I, um, so often I will just wait by an interesting building, just wait for the right people to come along, and then you hold your camera there and sometimes people just do a little jig, a little dance and it just, the animation, the, the eye contact, it just makes the photograph. So um, I like that as well, uh, not just candid, but uh, um, 
but yeah, on the whole, I, it, it can be a bit tricky sometimes, I agree, but it does get easier. I was very shy in those days, hence the telephoto lens, and I guess as you do more and get a bit, a bit more uh, mature, you, I don't know, you, it's, it's, it gets easier. So, um, so what's most your... People, yeah. So what's your process when you, when you go out there? Are you working with just one camera and one lens? Do you spend, mm. do you spend like an hour, two hours on the street? Mm. Or how, so how does that work for you? Okay. Um, I tend to, um, I try to travel light. So just one camera, um, one lens. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll set out uh, early in the day, uh, rucksack uh, provisions, and, and just walk the streets for hours. And some days you come back with absolutely nothing, and other days, as you know, and other days you just get that little gem, and it makes it all worthwhile. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just a, a cheap Canon. It's not, I couldn't afford any more. It's a, um, a 15 85 lens, which covers uh, most of my needs, and, but most of the time it's, it's a, I use it about 20. Uh, 20. Um, and um, I say just wander, looking at different areas of Peach Drive, sort of branched out a bit. I concentrate more on the town, but I'm trying to cover other areas now, and um, just just looking for something unusual and interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I tend to do. Have you worked primarily in sort of isolated, or have you found mm. did, did you you know find a photo community that helped nurture your interest in in in, in your studies mm-hmm. of photography, or has it mm. mostly been sort of an isolated um, hobby for you? Yeah, you're right. Actually, they, they have. I, I guess I, I guess I'm self-taught. I, I, um, <laughs> I set up a, my dark room. It was turned out the front room, and um, all the chemicals and all the rest. It's a, I mean, it's a magical process, and it's seeing those ghostly things coming through. But I wasn't a very good printer. I ruined plenty. Um, Overexposed, underexposed. Um, fortunately, some survived. And in fact, a few thousand survived, um, which I managed to get scanned only a couple of years back. Um, and um, but I am influenced certainly by um, yeah some of my, some of the greatest the masters, um, and I really have a great deal of respect for them because it, it was hard in those days i think wasn't it I, you had to focus and you had to um set your exposure and um by sometimes when you're doing that you you miss the image and um that's why i do like um yeah digital is so fast and uh, it's snatch and grab if you like but it it's about getting that image i think uh, and yeah um but i don't know yes so i'm certainly influenced by um i mentioned i guess some of them might people like i don't know some of the wharf photographers, Don McCullum, uh, brave photojournalist, um, gritty, grainy sort of um, uh, black and mon- black and white uh, wharf photography. Your your Eddie Adams, um, uh, you know, great admirer of his work. Um, and um, street, yeah, some of the street photographers, um, especially some of the American ones, um, greatly uh, admire those, and, and you can learn from learn from uh, just looking at their work, can't you? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was reading that your your parents um, were originally from from Poland and barely mm. survived um, mm. the atrocities of World War Two and the, mm. the war camps, and and I've I've read that a lot of people lost a lot of things, but I think one of the things that is often mm. overlooked is that people lost 
photographs of mm. family members mm. and and mm. things that are really when people think about you know a fire in their home the first thing they think about is yes, the photographs but but for a lot of you know families who who suffered uh, they lost you know that uh, among many other things and yes. i'm wondering you know whether whether that was the case with your family, mm. the loss of the photographing images, mm. and how how important photographs ended up playing in not only in in your life as a photographer, but in the life of your family. Mm, that's that's a great question. It, it, it's uh, something I've thought thought about of late. I think there may be maybe this urging me to record and uh, is part of that. Um, you're right. The, the, if your house was burned down, the, the photographs would be the first. Uh, to take out because they're priceless. You, you can't replace them. And I've learned the hard way and I urge people, you know, back them up. You know, I'm a technophobe. I struggle with the technology. I really do. I, I'm happy taking pictures in the street. I, I, I can't do Photoshop. And I, but I've lost valuable stuff. So now I have a hard drive at home and at work and just get to the, <laughs> the house burns down. So yeah, definitely. That's so important. But going back to um, the war photographs, um, it's amazing how how they survived. They, for example, my my um, my mother. They called them the three beauties, and her elder sister Riga. She um, she was married to Adek. Um, he tried. He went to South America just before the outbreak of, of war, trying to get the family, him and his wife and his daughter, and it was too late, and the borders were closed. But he managed to get some fact, some of these photographs out with him. He took them took them with him and they ended up in America and that's the only reason why they survived because they would I mean uh, Riga perished with her five year old, uh, my mother's mother in in, in uh, Maidanic concentration camp. Um and you know, in fact we went last year and you see these images on the on the walls. Um a bit like it reminded me of um Pol Pot, Cambodia. Um you know, things haven't we never learn, um, and you see, you see. There's two sets of photographs there. There's the, there's the family photographs of the young children smiling, happy families, and then there's the other ones of uh, frightened faces when they were captured as prisoners um, away in ex- execution. It's just um, a hell of a hell of a contrast. Um, and there's another image that that, that that strikes me. I remember one of them must have been one of the bravest photographers ever. Um, it's one of in Auschwitz, and uh, somebody's taken a, a, a very um, a very brave photograph um, through a, a fence or something where they're burning bodies, and he would almost certainly been executed if he'd been discovered. Um, it's a grainy, you know, very grainy image, but um, yeah, them sort of things are very affecting. Um, but, yeah, progress priced us, aren't they? Yeah. I think what's wonderful about what you're you're doing is that you're getting to put stories to your images mm. that, that otherwise wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken the initiative to, you know, send out your images to this newspaper and all of a sudden have this opportunity yeah. presented to you. Mm. And I think that's one of the remarkable things about... Uh, about what you're doing is the fact that you get to discover the stories of those photographs mm. that you yourself did not know, and no, now no. you're able to share share them with your community. You're, you're right, um, absolutely. It's if you think back 30 years, that, that what were their aspirations then? Uh, you, the young Bobby on the beat, uh, the young boy. You know, they 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 made good in the end. They did uh, well, um, and. Um, yeah, to to to, and not only that, the 
the physical changes in people as well, <laughs> what, what 30 years does to us all. Um, I met, for example, two of my teddy boys for a reunion uh, last week. And um, again, they're in the 40s now and one's got no hair. Um, I, I, some three children I took on a bench for 30 years ago, they're all in their 40s and um, late 30s. And uh, physically, yeah, uh, big changes, obviously. And uh, I think that's what fascinates people as well, as well as the backgrounds changing, the people themselves um, some haven't changed that much, but others have changed dramatically. And uh, my punk rockers with their multicolored hair, purple, red Mohicans, and uh, now very <laughs> sort of uh, average people. Some have kept the faith and some have still got some red in their hair. Um, but that's another fascinating, fascinating part of this concept I'm trying to develop. And, and I'm sure, I'm told that I'm sure others will try to do likewise. Yeah, especially it was intriguing seeing some of those pictures that you had shot during the during the 80s to the, the, the punk and the, and the mod period. Mm. And I see, mm. you see those pictures, and you really want to know what those people look like now. Yes, what they're doing absolutely. Um, and I'm finding more and more, it's, I'm, I'm going to really concentrate a lot on now. It's, I think it's really struck a chord, and it's important. Um, my ambition is, to, is, is, is the book. I, I don't know if my images are good enough, but I'm going to try and um, do more reunions because um, I think that's what fascinates people as well um, and so forth. The exhibition, I, I was quite honest, really. The, the, um, did a recent exhibition in my the shop and I'll put it on for me. So many people came forward and said, hey, it's me. And from that, I, I, I found a lot more reunions and... Um, also, um, the local museum um, is going to open a new gallery of my work, and it's great honour because at the end of the day, I'm a very, very, very minor amateur. It's just a, a, a hobby, and um, but somehow people have seemed to, you know, like what they see. Um, I guess I think it's I think it's the age of the photographs as well, um, uh, as well as the you know the image themselves. Um, it makes them more. Or more interesting. Tell me what it's like to have that first gallery show with your images up in the wall and to have those people walking up and taking a look, not mm. only taking a look at your images, but reacting so strongly to them. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was a, yeah, it was a proud moment. I, I, cause I never dreamed that 30 years got this little hobby in it and that's all, uh, all it was. And it still is today. Um, I, that we have this, yeah, very successful in, uh, exhibition that, that thousands attended, um, because people just love that nostalgia. So they came up to the pictures. It's, it's always a good sign isn't it, when people start touching the pictures and pointing at them and saying, oh, "I remember that. Oh, that's me." And and that was an incredible thing. <laughs> there was, for example, um, I don't know, a, 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 a mother came in, and there were three girls in the telephone, three young girls in the telephone box. And this lady came and said, that's my daughter. And uh, from that, you know, we've managed to, uh, hopefully we're going to reunite them. Um, lots of people came in. I mean, just another example, the, the railway guard uh, standing, uh, the mystery figure um, with the, the young couple, he just turned up and he said, I'm that guard, you know. So, of course, I took another picture of him looking at his picture and... Um, it's a great feeling, and to, as you said, to 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 find out what they've done with their lives and and what what time's done to us all, um, it's it, it's a fascinating thing to do, and um, yeah, it, it's great. So what's, really enjoying it. What's been the most surprising story you've heard as a result of being able to reconnect with some of your subjects? Mm. Uh, 
<laughs> you're asking now. I'm trying to think something off the top of my head. Um, there's quite a few. Um, I get. I get. I guess. Well, the. I mean, the boy. You know, uh, Tim. Uh, he. He was the policeman. They got on like a house on fire when they were reunited. They, they couldn't remember the photograph being taken. No, it was candid. But they, the policeman was, was really proud of the of the boy or the man now because he said he could have gone either way. That that picture was like the crossroads. Um, and the boy admits he had a few more problems with the police, um, but he took the right road in the end. And it's nice to see that he, you know, he he's done well. He's made he's made good of his life, and it could have gone. Either way, very very easily. Um, so that that was a nice outcome. Um, yeah. So but there's there's quite a few I, I can't yeah off the top of my head, but yeah. So what other opportunities have have resulted from you regularly contributing to the newspaper and people becoming more aware of you and your work? Mm. I, I think I, I don't. Um, I guess, I guess, well, you know, the museum, they, 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 they just approached me and they said, we'd like to um, put you, um, yeah, put your, open the new gallery with, with your work. And, um, and, well, to be honest with yourself, you know, the Candy Frame approaching me, I mean, I know this is, you know, traditionally a lot of great professionals um, showing their work. So I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to share my work with your, with your um, readers, colleagues, um, it's nice to be, I guess, because some of my photographs have gone in um, one of the sort of, I don't know, tabloid magazines, and that's all very nice, but I must admit it is nice to be in a professional journal and being judged by your peers or fellow photographers. Um, for example, there's a, there's a magazine in England called uh, Digital Camera User, and um, Again, I just sent them some photographs. Never thought they would use them, um, but they're going to, and they do normally reserve this portfolio pages for professionals, I, I think. And they're going to they're going to put a feature in in, in November, um, and I, and that has res- really resulted purely from um, from all this publicity about the photographs. Um, and so I'm hoping when I eventually do get to do the book, uh, work in progress, that um, you know the name will be out there if you like, and um, it will do okay. I hope. Um, yeah. You know what's People so won't actually you know read it and we'll look at it. Well, what's so cool is that both that you know that spread in the magazine your opportunity to regularly contribute to the newspaper came as a result of you taking a very simple act of taking some of your mm. photographs and mm. sending them off and you know yeah. each time you probably weren't expecting much to happen as a result no. but it was no. but just just because you took the effort to make the leap of just saying, I'm going to take my pictures off the hard drive and send them yes. out somewhere, yeah. that marvelous you're things right. are happening for you. Yeah, you're right. You, you must take that leap of faith. And I guess never, you always undervalue your own stuff, I suppose, and you're you, you, your main critic. Um, but um, you have to, yeah, get them out there. And I, I just say again, that the calendar was just a good way of doing that because um, it sounds a bit simple, but it, it, it works. Um, just any way of getting other people to see you see your photography and another way i um again i, I said i'm a bit of a technophobe i'm trying to create my own website but i, I struggle with it and um so i've given them to a guy called uh, nick and he peter he runs peter Brent pictures um yeah please please uh, check it out um and um that again has been a very useful um way to share the photographs um with uh, with other people it's been it's been really really good 
So are you putting a calendar out each year, or how is that working? Uh, well, I, I thought I didn't have enough material. <laughs> and um, the, the first year was a, a, a black and white, um, some, including some of the ones we mentioned. And uh, it, I only produced 1,000. It was really expensive. It cost thousands of dollars, if you, if you like. And, um, but it, it sold out. I, 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 I had to make sure it, I broke even. I, I just traipsed the streets selling it. The, the hospital where I, you know, spent a lot of my time. I, it went very well. The local charity shops, uh, the big chains wouldn't really take it, um, and um, it, it just and got a lot of publicity about it. And so I thought, I thought never again at the time because it was really hard work trying to fit it in with my day job. But um, and then I looked from image and I thought actually I've got some more. And um, I thought I'm going to have to colour this time because of you know you can't. I like black and white, but you, you have to have a colour for the punks and their multicoloured hair, etc. Um, and um, so that's produced now, and it's a, a real mixture of uh, characters from 30 years ago. And uh, I'm, again, I'm hoping from that there'll be more reunions. Um, and um, so that's um, and that seems to be doing okay at the moment, even though it's only October. Um, a lot of people have interest in it, so. Maybe, who knows, maybe I'll do another one next year. I still think I have some material left to do that. If, it is a good way of um, just getting your, your photographs out to be seen, you know. Um, and I, and I like to, and I like to hear the fact that you were out there hustling them. You know, you were out there oh, yes, sharing certainly. them and letting and you, people know that they're there. Yeah, you're right. And it's the best, you know, uh, and I... That's a great part of it. It's not just... It's not about money. I just want to break even. It's being able to... Um, when you actually go out hustling, if you like, you're actually talking about your photographs. And I, I do like, yeah, I enjoy doing that and people's reaction to them. Um, that's a great way of um, engaging people. And um, so I, I, I basically, um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'm going to just sell the calendar to, to people. I, I will give them value for money by actually going through each one, or if they've got time, um, and just um, tell them, you know, how the photographs would take, what it was about, and what, what the people are doing now. And they, they seem to be, you know, very interested about that. So, um, yeah. Well, the last question I always ask is I ask mm. a photographer to recommend another photographer for our listeners uh, to explore and discover. So it can be anyone from someone you've long admired to someone you've recently discovered. Mm. So who would that be for you and why? Uh -huh, good question. Uh, very difficult. So many. Um, I guess it'll be, it'd have to be probably someone like Don McCullen. I just, um, I admire his bravery. Um, just uh, taking those, in, you know, those images in Vietnam and all the war-torn places all over the world. Um, and I can... The really rich black and white photographs, um, oh, they're dramatic, just incredible images. And now, and I can understand now, he now is 70 years old and he um, is taking beautiful pictures of the uh, Somerset levels, uh, an air of England, um, water and trees. And, and I can see why he does that. He uh, has a lot of ghosts uh, in his memories and he just could see why he wants some, you know, peace and quiet now. Um, but a, a, a great photographer, one I, yeah, one I greatly admire. And I think we can uh, learn from other people's work as, as well, yeah. Well, Chris, thank you for the suggestion, and thank you so much for making the time for me. No, it's a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments, please send me a message at thecandidframe at gmail.com 
or leave a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. You can also join our community of photographers on Flickr, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to each can be found on the website. Till next time, this is Ibarian X Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.